Hi, this is Suzanne Kelling, and welcome to Chasing My Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you chase the life that God has planned for you. Over my many years of life, I have come across the path of many amazing women with many amazing stories, and I'm so excited to share them with you. And my first guest is my friend, Sarah Vesnes. She is a fellow Mary Kay beauty consultant with a story of deliverance and redemption that just blesses and amazes my heart. She was born and raised in Nemo, South Dakota and grew up in a Christian loving home. And after a tragedy in her teens, she began a journey down a really dark road that led her to addiction, abuse, and a lot of other trying life events. But through God's grace, she now leads a beautiful, abundant life. And I'm so excited to have Sarah on the show today. Sarah, thank you for joining me. Suzanne, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I just pray and hope that my story can touch others and um, just share how beautiful, wonderful God's love and grace is and how he can bring you through absolutely anything, no matter where you are at in life. He is always there waiting to help you. Well, I, again, appreciate you being here, and I know we have a lot to get through, and um, we are going to do this over several episodes because you have a lot of story to tell. So we're just going to start at the beginning, if you don't mind, and um, I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about your family and how you grew up. Okay, wonderful. So, um... I was born and raised in a little town or just outside of a little town um, in South Dakota called Nemo. And um, I have two wonderful parents, which are still married to this day. Um, They are very loving and Christian, grew up in a Christian home. They love the Lord so much. Um, I have a younger brother. He's three years younger than me. His name is John, and I have two older sisters. Um, I One of them is two years older than me. Her name is Susan. And then my oldest sister is 12 years older than me, and her name is Aura. Um, of course, when I was eight, my oldest sister had moved out. So it was just my, my next oldest sister, Susan, and my younger brother, John, um, that grew up together the whole entire time on the ranch we were homeschooled and, um, and that's what we refer to our place as the ranch. Um, we had cows and chickens. My parents really thought it was important to instill in us, um, good work ethics and, um, Christian values. And, um, uh, that's mainly the reason why they chose to homeschool is so that they knew what their children were learning. Um, through that, since we were on a ranch and our closest neighbor was three miles away, um, it was just us. So we got very close. We had forts in the woods and um, great imaginations. We just played all over that ranch. Um, my sister and I had shared a room all through our childhood. In fact, we shared a bed. <laughs> so we were super close, inseparable. Um, just to give you a little quick story of how awesome my parents are and how close we are. 
Uh, my sister and I used to sit up and giggle at night. And of course, my mom would holler down the stairs, you girls get to bed. And um, sometimes we'd go right to bed. But this one particular night, we kept visiting and giggling and such. And um, my mom had hollered at us several times. And all of a sudden, we hear these steps coming down the stairs. And we thought, oh, for sure, we were going to get spankings, you know. And um, my dad went into the living room and he said, you girls get in here. And so we very scaredly went to the living room and there sat my dad in his robe with his guitar, had us sit down in front of him. And my dad just strummed his guitar and sang um, just some oldies and some old Christian music. I, to me, it seemed like forever, but it was probably just a half an hour to an hour and then sent us off to bed. I mean, it was that was one of the many beautiful memories I have of um, my childhood and how our family was. Um, that is such an awesome story. And I love that um, when we're kids, when our parents have the, you know, as parents, they have that opportunity to show us grace and show us patience and make a time where you really should have been in trouble into an amazing memory. Yes. It was, it's such a gift. I mean, I have so many memories like that, you know, and I, it's, it was, it was a blessing to get to grow up on that ranch with the kind of parents that I had. So then I'll just continue on. Um, so we, like I said, we were homeschooled. So my mom taught us and, um, when because we were homeschooled my sister was able to graduate at 17 um when she was 17 that makes me 15 um when she had graduated she had decided to move to rapid which is a town 30 miles away from where our ranch was and uh the first night that she was gone i felt so alone Um, because my sister had been my other half, you know, living together in the same room, in the same bed for our whole childhood. So um, I had called her the next day and told her that I was going to run away from home to be with her. And she had told me that I better not. And I told her, you better help me or I'll find somebody else. And of course, her being the loving sister that she is, she decided to help me run away from home. So she had came and picked me up at the top of our road, (laughs) which is in trees away from where my parents could see. Um, I had just taken, I think, two black bags and um, up to the top of the road, and she picked me up there, and um, we went to town. Later that night, um, she decided that we were going to go out and of course we were both underage to go to bars or anything. So there was, we would cruise this certain road. It was just this strip that we would, that teens would cruise. And then there was like a lower turnaround. That's what they called it. The LTA, the lower turnaround is where everybody would gather and listen to music and whatever, whatnot. So we were all hanging out down there And, um, my sister was crushing on this one particular guy and, um, these other guys had invited us over to go to their apartment to watch Austin Powers. 
Um, I remember that because this is such a impactful night for me. Um, I had wanted to go with, and Susan had said that she uh, would meet me up there to just go ahead and go with these guys. So I went with these guys up to the apartment and um, started the movie Austin Powers, but that was not their intent. Um, their intent, of course, they were 20, the specific one gentleman was 28 years old. Um, I'm not sure the age of the other guys that were there. There were three other guys other than the one that um, had was crushing on me or whatever you want to call it. Um, anyways, he decided that he was, he wanted to have sex. And um, of course, I was 15 and the, I mean, I hadn't even kissed a boy at this point, you know, so um, I was pretty reluctant. However, he was not going to take no for an answer. And the other guys were just sitting there on the couch and I just, I, I didn't know what else to do. So I just cried as he uh, raped me. So, which was a pretty um, horrific experience. Um, I remember it very, very vividly. And um, anyways, so the next morning, then um, I, I was just there at the house. He had advised me that I wasn't going to leave the house. And so um, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to think. And like in my mind, with the upbringing of um, the Christian upbringing that I had of um, staying a virgin until you get married was very important to me. So in my young girl mind, I thought, well, this is it. This is who I'm going to be with. And this is the life I'm going to live is with this guy, which um, isn't a very good thought. But of course, in my mind, that's, that's kind of where I was because I, I so let me ask you a question really yes. quick so I just want to clarify so you thought because you had sex with this man that that meant you had to be with him forever right okay. right just because just because I was going to save myself till I was married but since that wasn't saved anymore I thought that was it and of course he told me I wasn't gonna leave so I guess I mean I had all kinds of different emotions i was sad. Um, I was angry and mad at my sister because she never showed. Um, I was hurt. Um, I mean, I guess I just, there was so many different emotions and thoughts going through my head. It, I was very confused, you know, and um, part of me um, blamed myself and, and for several years, after that, um, continued to blame myself for putting myself in that situation, you know. And I'm really glad that you said that because I have a similar experience to yours. It's not exactly the same, but similar. And I tended to blame myself and hold myself responsible because I'd say to myself, well, if you wouldn't have put yourself in that situation, that man would have never had the opportunity to do what he did. So it's your fault. Yes. And I internalized that for a long time. And I think it's important that young girls do know, especially um, 
Christian young girls, because of the way that we're raised and purity is so important, and it is, um, but we feel as though we're extra damaged. Right. Because we, we knew better and we put ourselves in a really bad situation. And the truth is, we didn't ask for that. Yes, we should have made a better choice, but we had no idea. And you had no yeah. idea that that was going to happen to you that night. Or I'm sure you wouldn't have Absolutely. Absolutely not. I'm sorry. You oh, that's okay. I, I, I agree is that we, we do take that on is blaming ourselves and you know, we play the shoulda, coulda, woulda in our minds, and that's not going to change anything. And, you know, I don't know. But it only increases yes, our pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So from there, um, I was in that house for, um, I think, three days. Of course, this is a long time ago. And so, and, it was so tragic that I, I, I can't, so some of it gets a little bit muttered, but I believe it was about three days. And um, since I had ran away from home, of course, my parents were concerned. Um, I had called my sister. My sister that helped me run away acted for a while like she didn't know about it or what was going on. So my oldest sister, Aura, had really... Not, not physically pinned my sister down, but had cornered her and said, I know you know where Sarah's at. Where is she? So Susan, um, thanks the Lord that she remembered where the guys said his apartment was. So um, it was a loud knock on the door and the guy opened the door and um, I heard my sister's voice and she said, you have my baby sister in there and I want her now. He tried to slam the door on her and she put her foot in that door and shoved that door wide open, was screaming at him. And of course, I jumped up and ran towards her and we all got in her car and left. Um, my oldest sister chewed my, chewed Susan out. For a while, I remember in the car ride, it was really a terrible fight between them two. And she dropped Susan off at her place and she took or took me to her house. Um, and we never spoke of that night again. I never spoke to my sister Susan of what had taken place. Um, I, I mean, it was just something that wasn't, it was buried. It was buried deep. And, um, that's just kind of where I left it for a very long time. Um, so I want to ask you a question and if it's too painful, it, you don't have to answer it. But my question to you is since you were there for three days, did his behavior towards yes. you continue over those three days? Yes, the pressure? absolutely. Okay. Sure did. Um, yeah, it, it did. And it was, um, do the dishes. And I mean, it was really kind of weird, you know, I don't know. Like a servitude yeah, kind of situation. It was. It was. It, it was very. Um, and I was so young and had never. I mean, like I said, I never kissed a boy before or even experienced any kind of a. I don't know. It was. I was in a very different state of mind when I was there. So, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of rough. I was very glad to hear my sister screaming at the door for her baby sister. Yeah. I bet you were. So yeah, I bet you were. it was a relief for sure. So then I, um, my sister Aura had told my parents that she had found me and that, um, I was going to stay with her for a while. Um, part of the reason is that I told my sister, I didn't want to go home. Um, one, maybe I was a little bit afraid of my, the punishment or repercussion from running away. The other part, shame, um, and disappointment in myself. I knew my parents were disappointed in me. Of course, they don't know. I mean, I think they might know today, but they didn't at the time know what took place. Like I said, it wasn't it wasn't spoken about. Even my oldest sister did not ask me what took place in that apartment. It just, we didn't speak about it. So. So I want to ask you if you think uh, your opinion on this. So do you feel like with Christian families, sometimes things get buried versus talk about because of shame and um, maybe guilt? Yeah. Do you think that those kind of yeah, things get Yeah, I think out? so. And I think it's more self-conflicted, honestly, um, because we put such a, like for me, I put, I had put an expectation on myself. You know, I wanted to stay a virgin until I was married. I was going to be this kind of a girl and a woman, you know, and then it becomes, I think it's more self-conflicted because then we're disappointed in ourselves. So we automatically think that our parents are going to be disappointed in us. We automatically think that God is disappointed in us when I don't think that that's the case, you know? It's, it's absolutely not. And I, I find it funny in a sense that we grow up when you grow up in a Christian home and you grow up in the church, you hear all about this all-loving, all-forgiving, redeeming God who can deliver yes. us from anything. But as soon as a mistake is made or as soon as something bad happens to us, we immediately go to that Adam and Eve mentality where we have right. to hide ourselves. And, and you would think that we knew better. Right. You would think that we do, but we don't. It's almost like our shame is worse than someone who never knew God at all and then right. tries, you don't meet him. It's almost like it's worse because we feel like we should know better. And we put ourselves on this state of we're Christians and we're, you know, I grew up in God's love. And so nothing can touch me. Then something touches us and then we're like, right. Devastated. Right. I agree. Completely. No, you're I'm just sorry. Fine. Go ahead. Those, are, those are all <laughs> great points. Um, so let's see, where was I? Um, so I decided, oh yes, I decided to stay and she, my sister decided that I was going to stay with her for, for those reasons being feeling, you know, disappointment and, um, embarrassed. I was very embarrassed. Um, and so I continued to, I stayed there for about a year. I continued to do my homeschooling from there. And, um, of course I talked to my parents and would visit them. Um, but I stay, I just stayed there and I helped, um, watch my sister's kids, her and her husband both worked, uh, full time. They were in the military. So, um, then about, of course, about a year later, um, I moved back 
with Susan in my grandmother's house. And um, I was 16. I, um, we had gone out and that was the first time I had my first drink. It was beer. And it's the first, the same night, the first time I drank beer was the first time I um, smoked pot. And um, just from that moment on, it made, I felt, I felt good. I felt nothing, which felt good. Um, Because I had lived almost a year in just beating myself up, blaming myself, angry, um, hurt, confused, lost, and drinking and smoking that pot made me not feel those feelings. So, um, and to me that, that felt good, you know, um, I continued that, um, and I, I, I continued to do some, my homes, then that kind of faded out and I got my GED at 17 and then, um, I started beauty college and, um, while I was in beauty college, I was, working part-time at a nursing home as a nurse's aide. Um, And then I was also working at a restaurant. And then I was hanging out with one of my really good guy friends. And he, we were watching HBO and it was like a special on dancers. Um, Specifically exotic dancers, I guess you could call them. And, um, he said, I dare you, I dare you to do a guest set at our local gentleman's club. And I said, oh yeah, I will. And so of course I won the dare. And on that three song set, I had made over $200 and I was blown away with the amount of money that I made in less than 15 minutes. I decided This is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this as well as my other two jobs. So, um, that went on for, I would say probably just a couple months. I dropped out of beauty school 200 hours before I was to graduate. And, um, I was coming up on a stint since I was working the three jobs that I was going to work 36 hours straight. And I was kind of complaining to the other dancers that, oh man, I got this shift coming up and da, 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 da. That one of the gals said, well, here, try this. This will help you get through your work. So I smoked this white stuff off of a foil and I went to work. I was able to get all my shifts done in that 36 hours. I was full of energy. Um, I felt great. Like I could conquer the world. So the next time I saw them or that specific gal, I, I said, what, what is that? I, I need to have some more. And at that time it was crank, which now it's uh, meth, but um, uh, she said it's crank and gave me some more. And then that's what kind of started the road on that. Um, So was that like an instant addiction then, would you say? From the minute minute that I smoked it, it tasted terrible. However, it was like an instant wide awake 
full of energy. I mean, I could, I could go and, um, not even be tired. I didn't have to eat. I mean, it was, I, I loved it from, from that very moment. Um, so then I eventually, I quit my other two jobs and I danced full time. I danced full time and did lots of, lots of, um, crank or meth. And, um, I just, I felt, I felt like I could conquer the world. I had plenty of money. Um, I felt good. One thing about, um, doing that drug is that. You, it gives you almost like a not a care in the world mentality. Like there's nothing to worry about. I've got this, you know, makes you feel like you're running the show when that's definitely not the case. Um, I, after several months of just dancing, I um, ran into, I had met my first love. Um not at the strip club. I had met him. I worked with his cousin at, uh, at the restaurant before I had quit and we went camping and I met his cousin and <clears throat> that was my first love. We started hanging out constantly. We drank together. Um, he didn't do meth at the time when I met him, his thing was beer and Vicodin. And, um, after dating a couple months, then he, um, he had caught on that I wasn't sober. I would stay up. Um, sometimes I wouldn't come home or whatever. And he asked me what I was up to. And so I offered him some, he said that that was not his thing. No way. And after, I don't know how long, eventually he just started doing it with me. And that was that was our thing. Like I, he didn't have to work. So I rented our place. I paid all the bills. I, uh, at this point I, um, traveled, they are called roadies. I traveled to dance and I provided all the drugs. And I mean, we lived a non-caring relationship for a while. So I found this interesting when you told me this story before um, that you were the one that actually introduced him yes. to, um, to meth. Because a lot of times you hear about young girls right. meeting men and they get them hooked on drugs. So it was a little bit, it was interesting to hear that other side. Um, a question that I haven't asked you though is you have, you grew up with a close family and I'm assuming that you still maintain some of that close relationship. Did your family see a change in you? Did they comment um, on it? Or do you, you know, I just, through, through those later teen years, um, I got a little bit distant, you know, because there was that, that rape that happened and that kind of pulled us away. I mean, I was still really close, I guess, with my mom. I mean, and my dad, I mean, I could talk to my dad about certain things that I couldn't talk to my mom about and vice versa. Um, my dad found out, I, I told them that I was dancing. I went up to my parents' ranch and I said, there's something I got to tell you. And of course my mom stood up and started crying. She said, you're pregnant. And she ran off and my dad kind of giggled and he goes, let me guess, guest night at the gentleman's club or shotgun Willie's. <laughs> that was the, 
that was the local gentleman's club. Well, one of his friends or whatever um, from his younger years had seen me there and mentioned it to my dad. So my dad had a good idea of what was going on. But um, I think that they noticed the that there was a change. My mom would always ask me if I was okay. And, you know, they didn't really ask too much because I tended to get pretty upset with them if they asked too much. And that's part of the drug use. When, when, when you're in your addiction, you get real snippety and private about that with certain people that you don't want to share that with, you know. I do understand that. And I hate to cut this short because I know there's so much more to talk about. Um, But that is all the time we have for today. So I really hope you join us again so you can continue to tell us um, your story and how God brought you from that to where you are now. Um, If you could just briefly share with us um, where you are now. I mean, you don't have to go into a lot of detail, but just kind of what God has brought you to at this point, um, just so we can yes, end it with, absolutely. Hope, with a hopeful message. So, of course, I'll go into some more detail, but um, this goes on for almost 15 years of in and out of terrible relationships and drug use and such, but God has really transformed my life. Um, I am married to a wonderful husband. I have been clean and sober for a little over two years now. Um, I live a life full of joy and peace, no anxiety. I mean, God has delivered me through so, so much that, um, I'm, it's hard to even explain the, the joy that I live on a daily, just from what he's brought me through. I do. And you even work in ministry now, correct? That is so awesome. I love to see how God can just really take a life and make it something completely different. And um, knowing that in God's eyes, there is no trust and that everyone is redeemable. Um, Even when we feel like when we as Christians or even as human beings, sometimes look at people and think there's no hope for them. God doesn't think that way. And God knows better and God can do anything and make it anything. And that includes us. So I am so grateful for you, Sarah. I appreciate you coming on um, with me today. And I can't wait. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. 